Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And my name is Megan. And it's been a while, and I feel like we shouldn't even we shouldn't even address that anymore because it's uh, always been a it's while. It's always been a while with us. But listen, we're glad to be back. Mandalorian season three has premiered, as well as, as well as several other things. Uh, Megan, please, do you have any thoughts or uh, concerns to share with our listeners today? Thoughts or concerns about what? Just about the episode in general, the content. We watched a lot of Star Wars content today because we're trying to catch up. Okay, well, first, I think we got to back it up. Do it. No, yeah, of course. That's that's what I was trying you're, to do. You're I not tried even to kick giving, it to you. I understand. Kind of back the context up. of this question. Um, so because we've been gone for so long, everybody, we clearly have a lot of content to catch up on. If you've been tracking along as well, you already know this. But if you have not, Bad Batch Season 2 is still premiering. Or it may have finished within the last week or two. I'm actually a little not not informed in that regard. But before Bad Batch Season 2 had completed, The Mandalorian Season 3 did drop March. The first week of March. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're in the third week of March. So we had not finished Bad Batch Season 2 and we had not started Mandalorian Season 3. Our original plan was to finish Bad Batch and then jump into Mandalorian. But that isn't working out. So moving forward, our plan is to be watching both concurrently, uh, the Bad Batch at a higher rate, uh, to finish it more quickly. Um, So for example, today, Alex and I watched three episodes of the Bad Batch, correct? Yes. No, actually just two, because we'd seen one this past week. Okay, so we're we're talking about three episodes that we've watched this past week. And we watched the first episode of season three of The Mandalorian today as well. So we will just be doing, I guess, a more general, quicker... Uh, overview of all the massive amounts of content that's releasing and also for the sake of us catching up. Um, with that context being understood, yeah. my thoughts? Mm-hmm. I'm a little overwhelmed, I think, with content and all of it feels slightly tainted hmm. slash unimpressive after um, Andor. Still, yeah. And some other things, but we'll get into those details a wee bit later. Yeah. I want to just say thank you to our to whoever's listening. We know uh, some of you personally who are listening to this. We haven't really been... I don't think the brand for this podcast... Megan, tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the brand for this podcast is like, oh, wait, I want to go to the Bath and Breakdown to get my daily, my weekly scoop on what's going on in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Though that was originally what we wanted to do and what we try to do, um, we haven't been as consistent. So I just want to offer a thank you to those of you that are patient enough while we're building up our practice and our habit of actually recording this on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. We know that most of you that are listening are just listening because you like us as people, which we want to say thank you. Yeah. That makes us feel really nice. Yeah. And uh, we just we we just like doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just a thank you to you guys. Yeah. Cause we know it's, we know it's not as consistent as it might need to be, to be a, 
a, a Star Wars news podcast, but it's not just Star Wars news. It's Star Wars reactions because mm-hmm. we want to be consistent with it. Okay. Yeah. So we watched three episodes of The Bad Batch this week, starting with the Wookiee Foresty episode. Episode. I don't even I believe that's six. I think it's we watched. I believe we watched six, seven and eight today because then we have nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 because we have five left. Yes. Okay. Cool. Six, so seven, we eight. did six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. And then we watched Mando season three, episode one. Mm-hmm. So we've been on the couch a lot today. Yeah. And so if our thoughts are scattered, just know that we really just took a shotgun of information from mm-hmm. Disney Plus today. Yeah. Um, Megan, do you have any sort of news you want to cover before I go on this day in Star Wars history? And before we get into kind of talking about the content we watched well, today. Well, typically we start with this day in Star Wars history. So let's jump it off with that before we even consider any Okay, news. cool. Well, mm-hmm. I'll be glad to share it. So those of you out there that know about Star Wars Headspace, I just need to give you a round of applause because I've never heard of it. It's an electronic music compilation album exclusively produced by Rick Rubin and Kevin Kusatsu. Uh, it, it compiles just electronic dance tracks uh, from a bunch of people. It features sound effects and dialogue from the Star Wars films, but it does not contain any of John Williams' music for the series. So it's it's hardly even a Star Wars project, mm-hmm. but it's called Star Wars Headspace. Here's what's fascinating, okay? Star Wars Headspace was released on February 19th, 2016. Mm-hmm. But you may be asking yourself, when was it released in retail stores? That's the first question that came March to my mind. March 18th, Whoa. 2016. And today is March 18th, 2023 when we're taping this. That's So yeah, crazy. if you wanted to know not only when Star Wars Headspace was released, but when it <laughs> was released in retail, mm-hmm. that was today in Star Wars history. Big day. Big it's a big day. day. I can't believe I didn't even know that. Honestly, that's I know. incredible. Well, thank you, Alex, for starting us off strong with such a... It was such an encouraging and monumental uh, day in Star Wars history. So let's transition into the news. Um, most of the news is Mando Season 3 yep. updates and news, as well as the Bad Batch Season 2. That's pretty much most of the stuff that is being discussed and talked about are the new new episodes, new content of that. Um, so I don't really feel as though there's much to say on that front, one thing I do have to say is that the official cast of Ahsoka, everyone, Come on. has been announced. That's awesome. Um, and we had known some of these actors um, previously, but we have not known all of them, and they have not been, they had not been confirmed. Uh, but now we do have the confirmed cast and let me let me walk you through it come on hayden christensen himself let's go the man the myth the legend will be appearing as darth vader Whew. that's gonna be crazy i still love seeing him as darth vader it's so fun for me yeah. in this era um so we have natasha lou bordizo don't know who that woman is but she will be playing sabine sabine if you do not know is a character from rebels who's part of the crew that ezra bridger she's great she's fun um we have speaking of ezra bridger Speaking of Ezra Bridger, we have, please forgive me if I do not pronounce this correctly, because I feel confident that I will not. <laughs> Emin Esfandi as Ezra Bridger. All you Rebel fans are feeling the excitement that I'm feeling right now. It might not sound like it. I'm so excited to get some live action Rebels content. Rebels, I find to be a very overlooked, underappreciated 
series in the Star Wars world because yes, it does start off not really, not really itching the scratch. It even took me a little bit to get Scratching into it. Scratching itch. I think you might mean itching. Well, you You're can't, correct. It, you can't itch a scratch. You have but to scratch you can scratch itch. the itch. Yeah. Now that That's why I'm here. Is important. Thank yeah. you. Anyway, but the more you get into Rebels, it really does redeem itself. It really pulls you in. It really matures. So I'm just so excited yeah. to see that. Okay. Anyway, we also know that Rosario Dawson obviously is Ahsoka Tano. We have um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. This one I'm excited about. Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Hera Syndulla, which once again, a Rebels character, a sick pilot. She's sick. Um, but if you do not recognize the name Mary Elizabeth Winstead, let me jog your memory. Jog my memory. Real quick. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. All right. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Sky High, the most iconic film. In which she played a, a significant role. A significant role. role. She moved me. She, I, she, was, I was in tears. She scared me as a child. I Still. Was, I was terrified. To this day. Last night I had a nightmare. Harley about. Quinn, Birds of Prey. So, all this to say, she's been in much more. Yeah. She She's a killer. She's a killer actress. Um, honestly, I don't know how we I don't know how we pulled a sky high character, but we did. And we really pulled. I mean, we pulled Hayden Christensen, but I guess he was kind of locked in. Yes. You know what I'm excited about is someday Hayden Christensen is gonna be old and he's gonna be the age of Darth Vader in episode six. Mm-hmm. And so we can feasibly take a look at Hayden Christensen at that age and be like, what if you were inside the helmet? Maybe George Lucas is even gonna go back in time. CGI, mm. deep fake it. Yeah. Probably yeah. Not. Definitely deep not. fake it. That would not be good. No, that was a good point. All right. But one more. We yeah. do have um, the actress confirmed for the young version of Ahsoka Tano. Um, give me a second. My my phone is freaking out. Take your time. You're good. Interesting. It just makes me think of how excited I am that also the Avatar The Last Airbender series, this is completely unrelated, but mm-hmm. their cast also had a lot of hype. I remember they were announced. Um, there were rumors of Ahsoka's cast around the same time there were rumors about Avatar The Last Airbender cast. Mm-hmm. So that's just where my mind goes. Yes. Okay. I found her. For some reason, she's not listed on the IMDb with the rest, but I know that she has... been confirmed anyway it's savannah stein is playing young ahsoka apparently she was in house of the dragon um which i didn't see so that doesn't really mean much to me right but it clearly indicates that she must at least be a good actress so that's the confirmed cast that we have been given i'm very excited as am i that's going to be a great show to enjoy. Oh, and wait a second. I'm sorry. I'm just realizing IMDb was not complete because they also confirmed the Thrawn actor. <sighs> they did that a while ago, I thought. It was uh, one of the Mickelson it... brothers. Oh, okay. Then maybe I just missed it. He's Lars be, he's, Mickelson. He'll be great. He was a he was a villain in Sherlock series. Mm-hmm. He was remarkable. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. Okay, so apparently he, Lars Mickelson, is the one doing it. I will say, though, oh, maybe it's not confirmed. I'm looking it up. I'm sorry if this is confusing to you listeners right now. I'm currently just trying to look it up to get the confirmation, but I'm seeing a few different articles with a few different things, um, which is a little confusing. He's not listed in the official uh, credits, 
on like IMDb, for example. He's not listed on Google as the cast, but no one's listed as Admiral Thrawn. So it's a little interesting. For example, this article says Lars Mikkelsen won't reprise his role as Thrawn in live action Star Wars shows. He was the uh, voice actor, oh, to give you okay. some context. Um, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I thought that it was confirmed. Me too. It looks like, well, the, based off of this article, it is apparently there was an unfortunate update. So maybe it was spoken of as if Lars was continuing the role. So much so that people thought it was confirmed or so, or maybe it even was confirmed and maybe there was a change. I'm not sure. I Maybe I should have done more research. Anyway, we've been talking about this way too long. Yeah, can we get back to Star Wars Headspace? I apologize. That's the only news I think I have for you guys today. Except for that Star Wars did release a recipe for a pog soup. Ooh. I will not be having that anytime soon. Pog soup sounds nasty. They're too cute to kill. Yeah. Um, let's hop into, because there's a lot of content to talk about, and I don't want to yeah. bore anybody. Yeah. Let's talk about Bad Batch, well, and then should let's we talk do our about mid, Mandalorian. Should we do our mid-episode debate? I mean, sure. Alex. Anyway. <laughs> I apologize. We still need to do our mid our mid episode debate. Is it bad? It's been so long Alex. since we've taped. We forgot. I forgot. I did. I kind of forgot that we did this. Well, this oh, I hear you, but this I'm is forgetting important. my roots. This is important. Today's question, yeah. everybody. I'm going to be reading out three of the most popular, well known Star Wars fan theories, and Alex, you're going to rank them from one to three, top to bottom, based on my favorite. Based on your yeah favorite. <laughs> Let's or do based that. on what's more okay, we'll go favorite. You could do favorite, or you could do what you think would be the coolest. Okay, that one might have a bit more depth. Okay, All right. let's start off with probably the most talked about fan theory, and we'll try and keep this quick. I agree. Uh, Jar Jar Binks, Sith Lord, for sure. All right, so yeah. many people talk about this. If you're not aware, a lot of people think Jar Jar Binks from the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Is a Sith Lord. Hang on. Common misconception. I, by the way, am a full subscriber to this theory, but it's misconstrued every time it's brought up. Hmm. We do not believe, at least I do not, that Jar Jar Binks all the way through one, two, and three is a Sith Lord. Okay. We don't think that he's hiding in the shadows and going to make a resurgence in episode 10. Okay. What we do think what I do think, and I think I've seen good evidence to point to this is that George Lucas may have been planning to make Jar Jar Binks some form of dark Sith Lord wielder person hmm. before his bad rap. Hmm. That is the theory. Because in Phantom Menace, and even at certain points in Attack of the Clones, possibly, there are some things that are kind of sus, some videos I've watched that have really broken it down. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be... I think it was a good call they didn't do it because I like Jar Jar as a wholesome character, but I do think that that was possibly where they were going. I have no confirmation other than that. Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that uh, theory yep. for the fans the who have one. not yet heard it. The second one, Palpatine is Anakin's father. This is uh. stemmed from the belief when Shmi talks about uh, Anakin. She says, there was no father. As if the midichlorians just created Anakin. Right, but a lot of people think that Palpatine, with his strong power in the Force, in the dark ways, whatever, 
almost created this being all knowing the plan and route to, to set him on. Anyway, uh, so that's one. And the third theory that Darth Vader had always been planning to overthrow Palpatine. This was one I was not super familiar huh. with. Um, but apparently there is a, a big popular fan theory that um, pal killing Palpatine was we whether it was a spontaneous decision. Or, I'm sorry. There was a, there's a theory that sprout sprouted. I'm misspeaking. Take your time. <laughs> apparently there's just a lot of debate on whether killing Palpatine was a spontaneous decision or whether it had been something he was like planning for years. I think the way that the film most clearly presents it is that it was somewhat spontaneous or at least gradual over that one moment, that scene when he was first interacting with Luke and Luke kept, you know, not fighting him, saying, no, you're my father, whatever. You will not best me. You will not beat me. I will not go the dark side, all this stuff, whatever. That's the way I think the film presents okay. it. But basically this theory is saying that this was something he'd been calculating and planning and working towards for a many long time. The long con, you may say. Uh, for 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 the sake of time, that's all I'll go into. You okay. can research ranked, things on your own. Ranked what is my favorite. Jar Jar is totally at the top. That is so silly to me. Followed by the Darth Vader was planning to overthrow all, all along. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end, Palpatine created Anakin. Let me tell you why. Okay. Very briefly, tell me why. Palpatine, the, the that theory came from specifically, I mean, probably people's brains, but also there was a comic back in 2019 where it was insinuated that Darth Sidious manipulated the midichlorians in Shmi to create mm -hmm. this massively powerful Anakin. So he's had his eye on him this whole time. Mm -hmm. That was not the intention of the comic. You can go to the writers, the darks. It was during a dark side like vision that like basically was happening so it's not a reliable narrator and there is no confirmation and no really reasonable proof mm -hmm. that Palpatine is his dad. And I think it's kind of gross. I don't like that at all. <laughs> um, I will say the reason Darth Vader planning to overthrow Darth Sidious the whole time is kind of fell flat for me is because of this. It kind of ruins Luke's whole arc of in the face of his dad never having the possibility of change, mm -hmm. always showing up for his dad to never turn to the dark side. It kind of takes away from Luke's story a little bit to, mm -hmm. s to pretend that Anakin was just pretending. And also Anakin did some crazy, horrible stuff as Darth Vader. Okay. Yeah. If he was pretending, the man went a little too far. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's why Jar Jar is going to land at the top because that's objectively hilarious. And there's a little bit of truth to it, in my opinion. Bam. Great. Your turn. My turn. Starting at the bottom. Number three. Jar Jar Binks being a Sith Lord. You're I've kidding. never understood You're it. You're kidding. Shut up. Shut up. That is objectively dope. Take it back. One. I take it back. But I just think I just think it's silly. I think it doesn't fit his character. I've never really agreed with the the little illusions people think that are made towards it. I just don't get it. And I don't like it personally. I think Jar Jar Binks. I perceive him as he was originally intended to be perceived, as genuinely like this funny, pure goofy guy who's so well-meaning all right mm -hmm. and i and i like seeing him like that so that's my third um i think i would agree with you and that my second is darth vader well this is hard i don't love any of them darth my second will be darth vader was well no i'm gonna change it right now my second 
is that uh, Palpatine is Anakin's father. And let me tell you why. Tell me. Um, if Palpatine is Anakin's father, <laughs> then that would make Kylo Ren his great-grandson. Mm-hmm. And that, Ray. and considering Rey is Palpatine's no. granddaughter, Ew. that would be Ew. uncomfy. Well, listen, that sort of relationship is not foreign to Star Wars. Okay, just saying. No, okay. Leia kissed her brother. That was purely out of I understand. Jealousy. I understand. Anyway, the third one being Darth, I mean, the first place being Darth Vader had always been planning to overthrow Palpatine because as we know, I'm an Anakin stan and I'm all for any theory that makes him better than he is appearing to be as Vader. And that's about all I'll say on that. <laughs> any any comeback? I'm looking I'm looking at uh, some um some articles here. This article from insidethemagic.net says that George Lucas has reportedly said that Jar Jar Binks was um originally intended to be an undercover Sith Lord. Shut up. I need to do more research on this. Megan, can you just talk about what you thought about the content while I kind of dig into this? <laughs> sure. This is a this is a great time for that. All right. We're going to start it off with the Bad Batch. As someone who watched the first season, I think also who came into this season a bit more excited and a bit more anticipatory. Um, as, I, as I said in the last episode, episodes four and five, I believe. Seven, eight, nine... No. Yeah, four and five were just very, very disappointing to me. Very mm. boring. They almost were worse in hindsight. Um, and episode six, Wookiee episode, same thing. Didn't care about it. Wasn't invested in the characters. It once again felt like this very short little side quest that they wrap up nice and pretty in one episode. It didn't tie into anything having to do with the ongoing plot of... Um, for example, in episode three, the one episode that is so far, in my opinion, the best episode by far, where it continues to dig into Crosshair's uh, arc as a character, because we're invested in him, because we had an entire season that was developing his character and making us care about him in an interesting, twisted kind of way. Anyway, it just didn't tie to anything. I don't care about Gungi. I don't care, you know? Uh, episode seven. That's about all I have to say about six. Didn't care. That's fine. Forgettable. Episode seven. Um, the clones. So this did start an arc that was more interesting. It did begin to pick up the pace a little because once again, it tied back to the the whole story that kind of the Bad Batch started with. Um, this is the one where we see the um, the evil imperial man, Rem Remlin. Or something. Don't remember his name, but it started with an R. Um, but his evil plot, the guy who shot uh, Topedo City. Was it Renland? I don't remember. I don't know. Um, we watched it today. Literally. <laughs> everyone who's seen the episode, you guys know who I'm talking about. The big bad empire fellow. Yeah. Um, but so it was kind of cool because it does start to unravel this plot of what is happening to the clone army, which I do care about, not only because of the film, but also because of the Bad Batch, because of the Clone Wars. You know, I care about the clones. So this makes sense. I'm already there. I'm already with you. The Empire is trying to completely do away with them, completely neglect them. They're feeling super lost, purposeless, 
just confused. Some of them are starting to fight their uh, inhibitor chips. Some of them aren't. You know, it's just, that's an interesting arc to me. So we start to see just what the Empire plans to do with them. This girl named Senator, what was it? Chisi? Chosi? <laughs> uh, Chusi? Guys, I'm so bad at remembering names. Um, forgive me. Anyway, so we see the Senator Chuchi. trying to stand... Chuchi. We see the Senator standing up for them, but she basically then starts to unravel the whole plot of this Imperial man who completely hid the fact that he actually completely destroyed the Kaminoan city and he's covering it up. She's unraveling all of those secrets and those betrayals and she does it from this one clone who is totally at risk and like was with him when they destroyed the city and he's trying to get it out in the open to expose him but while also staying super in the dark. His name was Slip, I believe. <laughs> Slips. Slip. Um, Just Slip. So yeah, so that was interesting. I was invested. So she continues to unravel this Chuchi. Just confirmed it. Yep. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so I was intrigued. That was interesting. Um, and then episode eight pretty much continues that whole arc. The story of these two episodes flows exactly from one to the other. And it brings in the Bad Batch. Because, oh, I should mention, at the very end of episode seven, Commander Rex... Come on, Captain, actually. I apologize, you're right. Uh, Captain Rex shows up, which is super sick. Once again, another great um, clone cameo. Same with Cody. I'm immediately more invested. These are characters I already know and I already love, and I already want to find out what happened to them in the fallout of Order 66. So this is great. Thank you, Bad Batch, for finally giving me some content I care about. Um, Commander Rex basically was going to meet Slip and get him off world, get him somewhere safe, but then... um, this Imperial man. I'm so sorry, you guys, that I'm completely forgetting his name. You're fine. Um, fine. Basically has him killed, has all of her guards killed. He tried to kill Commander Chuchi. Rex saved her. And then Rex starts to basically help Ch- uh, Senator Chuchi, right? So she he brings in the Bad Batch because he's like, I know some guys. And they basically are tasked with getting on this Imperial uh, command uh, captain, I guess this imperial captain's ship to find the like command log that is physical proof and evidence of the fact that he commanded, like he gave the command to shoot down Tepito City. Yep, it's Tepito City. Tepito. We we're sound, failing we, in we it. We sound like we're pretending to have a Star Wars we podcast. We sound right as now. if we haven't had a Star Wars podcast for <laughs> weeks. <laughs> Tepito City, I'm pretty sure, is what it's called. Uh, some, the Kaminoan. The Maybe the city. guy with the phone that he's been staring at this entire time could look it up to help wow. me. Wow. Wow. You need to take that back. Could I have some water? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so the Bad Batch, they do what they do. They bring their fun energy. They completely kick butt on this mission. They get the information. Tapoca. She presents Topoka. Topoka City. Topedo. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I've been doing really good research while I've been looking at my phone, actually. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Anyway, Topoka City. So Tapioca the- City. <laughs> Tapioca Pudding City. Bad Batch helps command uh, Senator Chuchi. She's in the Senate, which I will say this was another little fun. I liked seeing the Senate again. It was kind of fun. A little Bail Organa situation. Yeah. Oh, that's true. We got to see some Bail Organa in his secret rebel days. That's right. That's always fun. 
Um, but she's basically confronting this imperial officer. And she's like, actually, let's expose him in front of everyone. He was also taking money, diverting the funds without any um, approval. Senate approval. And she was just completely blasting this guy. Right. Yeah. Um, now, I will say the funnest part of these episodes by far at the end of episode eight. So she's exposing him. Admiral they, Rampart is his name. Rampart. Thank you, everybody. Or thank you, Alex, on behalf of everybody. You're uh, Commander Rampart was basically working with Palpatine the whole time. Palpatine is the one pulling all the strings, giving the commands. But there is a sick moment where she starts exposing all of it and she has proof that Palpatine makes an appearance, which was just super fun. Very fun. Very impressive. He comes up from the floor of the Senate, like the bottom opens up and it's silent. Excuse me. And he comes up in such a haunting way. I will say, if you've seen the episode, you know what shot I'm talking about. But the first shot where they show him, so eerie, so cool, so like terrifying in such a cool way. His hood is like just covering his face, but you see the little like red of his pupils and the slight smirk. It's so cool. Yep. And basically he comes up. He pulls his little weaselly strings, this guy. What a weasel. And he completely throws Rampart under the bus, which Rampart is honestly like, bro, I was actually just following orders <laughs> given yep. to me. Yep. Um, but no one believes him, obviously. He was slimy anyway. So he gets taken away, arrested. And Palpatine's all like, of course, this man's treacherous deeds will be held to the highest standard. But then he twists it, uses it for his own um, his own benefit to basically push through the plan that Commander Rampart was trying to pass in the Senate, you know, to begin with. Yep. And they basically, he confirms and puts through the Senate. I guess he uses his chancellor chancellorship or empire i mean emperor he is the emperor yeah uh, yeah it's not his emperor power to just put the plan into motion which basically says we're going to move move on from the clone troopers we're not going to utilize them anymore and we're going to build up our own imperial army because he was like it's weird that clones wouldn't even like disobey an order like that so like to, we should like, probably have our stormtroopers shoot down their own city that like, sneaky oh, son of a gun how animal farm how Palpatine of him. How sheave. <gasps> How sheave he. I know. Anyway, so that was definitely, I think, the coolest part of all three of those episodes I by agree far. With you. Um, I liked Rex coming back. Yeah, that that's really true. Fun. Rex was cool. But it was just like the fact that Palpatine is such this intimidating, like terrifying character sure. from all the films. The fact that it's almost like you feel like you're almost holding your breath when he shows up again. You're like, <gasps> at least for me, I was like, <gasps> he's here. Yeah, that's that's a cool moment. It was slick. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I I definitely felt more invested in episodes seven and eight mm -hmm. as opposed to six. Not that I don't love a Wookiee planet, but it feels like some episodes are consistently filler. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, we'll have like a racing episode, and yeah. we'll have like a Wookiee episode. And the thing is, is if if I was like younger, if I was a kiddo. I probably wouldn't have had that big of a critique because mm -hmm. those episodes were like my favorite growing up. Like yeah. those little fun, like little adventures. Mm -hmm. So I get that it's, it is not geared towards a 25 year old 
that's watching. That's more of what Andor is doing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I liked seeing more of the Galactic Empire and the mm-hmm. Senate that is basically corrupted. I also kind of forgot um, at the beginning of A New Hope, the first scene on the Death Star where Darth Vader appears with like those admirals and stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the words that said is like, yep, the Senate was just disbanded and all power is now in the hands of the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And watching that growing up, I was like, oh, it's like it's a throwaway line because mm-hmm. like I'm just watching four for the first time. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But now getting all of this backdrop of Andor. Bad Batch, not just even like one, two and three Clone Wars, so much democracy, so much government, so much of that. Mm-hmm. I remember we rewatched A New Hope the other day and there was just that scene where one of them was like, yep. And the Senate's been disbanded and now all the power belongs to the emperor. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, oh yeah. my gosh, that's significant. Yeah, it's been on the way for a long time. Yeah. Anyway, just a throwaway thought there. No, Mandalorian, cool. Megan. Any last thoughts on the Bad Batch? I I just want to say I appreciate the fun return of Rex mm-hmm. and how fun it is to just see the Bad Batch do their thing. Yeah. I think Omega is consistently just like this pure like, I'm going to do what's right all the time. And I'm just going to follow around a politician and just like not be super like, I'm not going to hide my motives. I'm going to speak my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's... She's it, like Ray. She's like a Ray. A little bit in that way. Just a little bit. Uh, which is kind of annoying sometimes, not because I don't like that part of her character, but because in real life, I feel like after watching Andor, I'm like one wrong sentence can get you tossed in jail. Yeah. So it's like, it's like you're a little I know it's a careless. different time, but yeah, yeah. she's a little careless, even especially at the beginning of episode six, when she literally just ran off to free this random Wookiee. Yeah. Sure. The Wookiee was getting tortured, but she was like, she had no idea who the Wookiee was. Didn't even know who these people were mm-hmm. on the ship. She was like, you're hurting him. Yeah. Pulls out a bow and arrow. You're like, you're brash. If I was Obi-Wan, I'd be like, you're reckless. Literally before the Obi-Wan and Anakin run into that bar in episode two. Yeah. And he, and he literally threatens him say, or not threatens him, reprimands him saying like Anakin's all rushed and he lost his yep. lightsaber and he's like, he went in the bar, sir. And he's like, like, chill, quiet. Use the force. <laughs> that Obi Wan would say that to Omega every yep. two seconds. Anyway, even she's not a Jedi. And also, we saw that Echo left the Bad Batch. That's a big moment too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I actually forgot that. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, pretty sweet. I like Echo. It was a nice little moment he had with Omega when they were saying goodbye. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, solid, solid episodes, but not to be compared mm-hmm. with Mandalorian episode one, season three. Mm. Mm-hmm. Looks great. The visuals are so good. Can I can I finish my thoughts on the Bad Batch? Yes, of, of course. I thought you kicked it to me. No, I'm sorry. I was just trying to start both Megan, of us giving like our final thoughts. This is so thoughts. rusty. I feel like I keep <laughs> this hosting thing. I just can't get it right. No, it's okay. I it's apologize okay. It's okay. to our listeners. I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, my final thoughts on the Bad Batch. I agree that it was kind of sweet when Echo left, but I also felt like I was aware that it was supposed to be a more impactful moment than I thought it was like the response that elicited from me was like a oh oh and then that was kind of it and I was like uh-huh. oh okay I guess that, that makes sense they've been hinting towards Echo being restless and wanting to do more makes sense that was it but a part of me was like I feel like this was supposed to be like a bigger deal than I feel like it is wow also too the more I watch the show the more I have this opinion maybe this is contra- controversial but after Bad Batch season one which had such a strong premise, had such a strong start, is this, the 
the fall of the empire? What does this look like right after? What does this look like for the clones? And then we have this really compelling story of Crosshair, who we think his inhibitor chip, like, is the only one that worked. And then Wrecker fights it a little bit. It's like this very compelling story. And then it wraps it up really nicely, where we find out Crosshair actually does kind of just suck because he took out his inhibitor chip and still sucks, but then also redeems himself slightly because he like saved Omega in the ocean. You know, they wrapped it up so well that a small part of me is like, I almost feel like you should have left it because there's really nowhere else to go. That's super strong immediately. Mm -hmm. You can make something strong, but they're not really doing it that well so far. It's fun, but in no way is it the same caliber of the Bad Batch season one because you had such a strong momentum. You had such a strong, such a strong story. And then you wrapped it up and then you were just trying to keep it going. That's what it feels like a bit to me is they're just trying to keep this story go, excuse me, going. And it's just not translating as well at all. Mm. That's my opinion after watching more of the show. I hear what you're saying. Any other thoughts? No. Okay. But none of the Bad Batch episodes could even compare, compare to The Mandalorian. Episode one. Yeah, Alex kicked us off. It was just a nice change of pace mm -hmm. from watching The Bad Batch and... Uh, yeah, I've just been excited to get back into The Mandalorian. Visuals are great. Love Pedro Pascal. Love um, little Grogu. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just thought it was great. I thought his new ship looks so cool. A couple, couple criticisms off mm -hmm. the bat. Wow. Uh, I don't know why he's trying to bring back IG-11. Just get a new robot. I get that he's trying to get a trustworthy fella, but okay. It was also unclear as to why he even needed a droid to begin with. Because so he's going, yeah, he's going on this planet... To like, he's going back to Mandalore so we can go back into his cult. Yeah, a little confused why he still wants to be part of his cult, but I shouldn't be. Deprogramming is hard, and he he was literally, his life was saved by these people. Yeah. So without them, it's going to be kind of hard for him to even raise Grogu because it's kind of like all that he knows. Mm -hmm. So I can understand why he wants to get back into the cult. Mm -hmm. We are None of us are above being in a cult. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially Dinjarin. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple of criticisms. Why did, why is he trying to bring back IG-11? But I did like um, every, literally everything else. I thought it was really great. The visuals are really, the visuals are great. It's just a fun ride. Mm -hmm. Love to see him shoot up pirates and be a cute dad. Yeah. It's just great. It's, it's what I like Mando for. And I saw it today. So yeah. loved it. No, I agree. I feel like the first episode, there's not that much to talk about because you can tell they're definitely just setting the stage. Um, we basically know at least the beginning of the season, he's just trying to redeem himself and dig into that, which is cool. Fine. I do think a part of me agrees with you in that I was like, you still like want to, you still want to try so hard to be a part of that, especially after last season, Bo-Katan. I feel like a lot of her character like dialogue with Din Djarin was all explaining to him you're actually not a pure Mandalorian you're part of this cult called the children of the watch that are extremists that actually like divided us like that is not what a Mandalorian means and I thought that was going to be a cool moment where it like revealed to Din that it was just going to be a moment where he realizes that and then like shifts gears like kind of leaves it um, but clearly that's not what we're seeing, which is not a huge disappointment. It was just, I think, a little like, what was the point yeah. of all that? But maybe it's just one step in the process. Maybe he'll reach that point. Um, but yeah, so I think 
It's just kind of setting things up. Navarro looked really cool. I really love Grief Karga, um, his character. I, th I find it funny. I had a moment where I was thinking back to the first time when we saw him in season one, and he's literally like the bad, the bad man behind all the bounty hunters. Yeah. Like, what a shift that has happened Complete over these shift, three seasons. Which is fun. Yeah. Um, he's become like very noble, very respectable, very important. Literally changed, like pulled Navarro around. Um, so that's fun. I want to give an honorable mention to his little robots that held Tell his cape while he was Pretty walking cute. around in the dust. Objectively funny. That was hilarious to me. Um, but yeah, so that was cool. I'm bummed that Cara Dune isn't in it. I think she got removed for like some political reasons. I don't really know. Yeah, but I'm just, just bummed. They did fire her. Um, they, they just kind of like, it was like the classic, like, oh, she got hired to the special forces team. Yeah. And then that's it. <laughs> so that was just a bit of a bummer just because her character was kind of the person who originally turned Navarro around and they just kind of passed it off to grief, which is fine. They worked together. So it wasn't a huge deal. I was just a little like, oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we saw Bo-Katan again. She was she just sitting. She has a sad arc. Yeah. she's. It's tough to be Bo-Katan currently. I hope we get to see more of her. Yeah. Um, in this season because I do really love her character. Um. And she's just so depressed. She had this whole big plan to be the savior of Mandalore and to redeem it. But that really got screwed up in season two when yep. Din Djarin accidentally won the Darksaber, um, which is a bummer. It's an unfortunate situation. For sure. Um, so, so, yeah, so that was fun. But, yeah, they just yeah. kind of were setting things up. And it shouldn't be anything that surprised me about The Mandalorian for it being a little more spaghetti western-y. Because it is mm -hmm. a spaghetti western in that the whole show is typically just The Mandalorian being like, oh, I need, I want this droid. So I need to go find this part. Mm -hmm. And now I have a problem. I need to go fix it. I'm going to go do it. Here's a new planet. Which yeah. is the form of the show. Yeah. I respect it. I personally connect more with a show like Andor that has a more, a, a more concise, filled out plot. Not that Mandalorian flow. doesn't, because yeah. it totally does. Mm -hmm. But just for this one episode snapshot, it's like, why do you care about the droid? Oh, I guess he did save Grogu mm -hmm. two seasons ago. Okay. I mean, okay. Yeah. And that's just what my brain says. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what goes on. But I, I don't know if there's too much left to say on that yeah. line of no, I agree. That's one thing about The Mandalorian. Um, if you haven't watched it, just as a heads up, it sometimes does feel a bit like each episode is a kind of random and they're all just slightly connected. Like it almost feels like they go off on some rabbit trails, um, but it always pulls it together, in my opinion, really well by the ends of the seasons. I've never left disappointed, um, but you, you should just go in with that expectation. Yeah. But yeah. Why don't you give us some some hopes, some things you're hoping for from season three? I hope that the Mandalorian explores, and I know it will, the Darksaber mm -hmm. a little bit more. Me too. I hope that it explores. I hope that we get to see Mando, Mando learn more about his cult. Yeah. Maybe learn more about the true roots of what's going on in Mandalore because he's going to go back to Mandalore and see if it's really poisoned. And I'm guessing that when he goes back to Mandalore, he's going to learn more about the children of the watch. Yeah. He's going to learn more about himself. So maybe even leaving the cult question mark. Mm -hmm. might be pretty dope to see. Yeah. Uh, I hope we get to learn more about this. Um, this new 
idea that this is basically a rumor that I've seen a couple times that Mandalorian, um, also Bad Batch as well, a bunch of these in between episode three and episode four type of TV shows. Not episode three and four. The sorry. Mandalorian is after C- after episode six. My oh, apologies. Okay. Well, the Bad Batch is in between three and four. And the <laughs> sorry, I'm getting my lines six. crossed. Yeah. The shows after six, specifically Mandalorian okay. and um, Ahsoka. Okay. Are leading up to an explanation for how Palpatine returned. So mm. some of the experiments done on Grogu yep. because he's a force user, some of the cloned like half formed bodies in season two that we saw that we, that we saw mm-hmm. um, apparently are setting up for an explanation for how in episode nine they could have said somehow Palpatine returned. So I think Dave Filoni and John Favreau are trying to fix are trying that problem. To, like, <laughs> they're panicking seeing all the somehow Palpatine returned memes and trying to shuffle together something that might make it more significant than yeah. it was in episode nine. Yeah. In that maybe they're trying to clone him and then it goes wrong, but then it's Snoke and then it's like, maybe we can do that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to see what develops on that side because mm-hmm. I think that is fun. Yeah, because adding any more lore than we have right now for how Palpatine could come back from becoming a big ball of light. I'm in. Yeah, no, I hear you. I actually have not heard that theory that people are thinking it's all going to come together. Um, But that would be very fun. I think I agree with your expectations. I would love to see more Darksaber stuff. I would love to see more Mandalore history stuff. Primarily, I want to see more follow through of all of the little hints that were dropped in season one and two of the tests of Pershing's tests on Grogu. What were they doing? Why were they doing it? Like just fleshing out that a bit more. I hope that it doesn't become such a new thing. Like they're starting just this whole new story that they kind of neglect and forget everything that happened in one and two. Cause some things got wrapped up, but some things didn't. Um, So I just hope it stays kind of to its roots a bit. It doesn't, doesn't leave its, it's path. It's path too yeah. quickly. Um, because I just feel like that is more interesting and there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of like secrets there. And it's going to be really disappointing if we just end up seeing him go to the mines and bathe in water and get reinsignated, reinitiated, yeah. reinstated. That's where it's sorry. Reinstated Redeemed or whatever. Yeah. That would be a lot more boring without yeah. some of that other stuff. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other things of note before the podcast ends. George Lucas never said anything definitive about Jar Jar Binks being a Sith Lord. There were a couple comments that the internet has run with, and mm-hmm. I might have been taken along with it. But it could have been a thing, but we'll never know. Even Jar Jar Binks' actor said that there were higher expectations for Jar Jar after episode one, at least from his character's point of view. Yeah. And kind of the conversations he was having with... Lucasfilms, stuff like that. But after the reception, they kind of dialed back a little bit. And you can even see that in the movies, how in Phantom Menace, there was a big emphasis on him. Mm-hmm. And in Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, he's pretty much a bad character. Yeah. So that's a note. What a shame. R.I.P. Justice for Jabba. I know. I mean, Jar Jar. Justice for Jabba and Jar Jar. <laughs> and also another thing, I think that John Favreau had complete control creatively over this season, season three. Of Mando? Yes. So I think there was a a problem, and this was just a rumor I heard on the internet, okay? Okay. Could be confirmed, could not be at this point. But there was a bit of, um, specifically, I think it was with Boba Fett, some problems with 
Disney kind of overmanaging the tone or the plot direction of either the end of season two or the show Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And so apparently there was a creative difference. John Favreau was like, I'll work on season three, but only if I can have complete control. That's mm-hmm. a rumor. Confirm it for yourself. But I have high hopes because I trust John Favreau with most things. I trust John more than I trust Disney. I do. That's for dang sure. Especially if that theory proves to be true. And that is the reason that Book of Boba Fett was... A bit of a disappointment. Such a, yeah. I don't want to completely hate on it. There were moments that I did enjoy. But overall, it was just definitely not the best. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, man. Well, cool thank stuff. You for, thank you for fleshing out and doing that research on that fan theory. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, Megan. And we appreciate you all for listening. Do you have any other thoughts, Megan, before we finish up? Nope. Cool. This has been The The Bothin Breakdown. Breakdown. See you next time. See you guys.